Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're sitting down with Brittany Kennel. Now, she grew up in Montreal, Canada, but moved down to Nashville after graduating from Berklee College of Music in Boston for songwriting. Now, after many years of chasing the dream in Music City, she moved back to Montreal in 2019, finding that she had lost the passion not only for her music, but also within her personal life. Since that time, she has rediscovered her country roots, and it has all come together in the release of her new album, I Ain't a Saint. So please enjoy our conversation with Brittany Kennel. You had the CD release show on Wednesday, right? And now it's Friday and the album is officially out. Yeah. So what has this week been like for you? Honestly, it's probably been one of the craziest weeks I've had in a, a long time. Um, but just really, really special and really, just really grateful to, I don't know, just to have this, this rollout for an album. It's been really special. And the album is I Ain't a Saint. When did it come together? A lot of albums that are coming out now, they were sort of put together in late 2019, early 2020, and then held off until now. Was that how this one worked or did it come together in 2020? Honestly, it kind of came together during pandemic for sure. Um, We had launched our first single just before uh, the pandemic hit. So at that point we were kind of looking at an EP and so we had five songs, but then with pandemic, I did so much writing. It was like, well, let's just make this an album. And, and, and honestly, we also wanted to launch it um, in May and kind of in spring, hoping that things would be back open and, and shows would be a thing, but we, we decided to wait a little bit longer. So, <laughs> And you have one write on the album with Jenna and Stu of the Rec Laws, as well as Nate Haller. Now, what does the rest of the album look like? Are they all co-writes? Are there some solo rights on there? How did those all come together? Um, definitely some solo rights. I'm a big fan of writing alone. Um, I think I had always been that way before I moved to Nashville, and then I kind of um, adapted the co-writing um, idea, which I also just love. Um, and then I also wrote a couple songs with um, Nathan Meckel, who's a dear friend of mine from Nashville. And he kind of has seen me grow like from the beginning. I met him very early on in Nashville. And, and now we've just really clicked into um, kind of into our own style with Ariana Saint and You Don't Get Me Stoned. He really brings a, a nice rock edge to these country songs. He kind of pulls that out of me, which I really like. Um, and then my dear friend Tori Tullier, also from Nashville, we did a couple Zoom rights and, and her and I just had very similar um, like dating experiences. And we kind of just related through song and, and uh, I wrote Spade and Clean Break with her as well. So it was, it was awesome. And now I read in an interview, it was probably a couple of years ago now, you mentioned that you had a hard time writing breakup songs, but with the way life has gone that we will talk about in a bit, do you have a tough time not writing a breakup song now? You know, yeah, it's funny. I find like just obviously it's it's tough because as a writer, one of the most important things for me is to write from experience. So um, I'm always trying to pull from, from that and yeah, before going through a breakup, I didn't really have that experience to write about a breakup. And so going through it, I finally was able to write about it. 
Although, um, although I did write some sad songs about the breakup, those were not included in the album because I felt like this album was really that kind of that step right after the sad part of a breakup where you're like, actually, I got this. I think I'm okay. (laughs) And so really, yeah, I think it uh, definitely was a lot easier this time writing breakup songs for sure. And now with the songwriting, that started very early for you. What age do you remember it really kicking in and sort of understanding what songwriting was? Was it pretty early in your life? Yeah, very early. I started writing songs. I think my earliest memory is around seven. Um, I had written a couple of songs with a couple of girls in my um, my elementary, I was going to say high school, elementary, <laughs> in my elementary school. Um, and we wrote a song for a class project. And at that point is when I started playing piano and I just would just write songs and, and, you know, tuck these lyrics away in my little piano bench. And I never knew what they meant. I just enjoyed writing songs. And um, it wasn't something my parents told me to do or anybody told me like, oh, like you should sit down at the piano and write your own. I just did it because I wanted to be at the piano and I loved writing, writing. So, yeah, it, it, it was an early, early thing for me, for sure. And with your parents and your home life, was it a musical place? Is that where you got your influence or was it really just something that you had on your own? I mean, my parents love music. Like they had a huge CD collection, like with masking tape on the back of it with their favorite, they, they would number their favorite songs from that record. Oh, really? And we would sit there and, and listen to their favorites. And it was always on in the house, like every single day in the car. And my dad was very like, um, we would play this trivia game. He'd be like, okay, who's this? Or, you know, who wrote this song? And, and I think that really helped um, just evolve my love for music. Um, and then also I have a very big Irish family. And so we love music at our family parties and Christmas parties. So my uncle always brought out the guitar and we'd always be singing karaoke. And so for sure it was, it was very prevalent. And with that Irish background, I wanted to ask about your Nana because she comes up a bit on your social media. And I know in 2019, you were able to go over to Ireland and see the house where she grew up, which I don't know how you found that house, but that is amazing. You were able to, and I know that she has taken a 40 hour bus trip from Canada down to Nashville to, uh, (laughs) to tour Dollywood. And she actually, I think met Dolly Parton on that trip. Yes. It seems like she was an amazing woman with just like stories for days to tell. Incredible. And I think that's why, first of all, thank you so much for bringing her up because she's such a big part of me. Um, And I think that's where I get my storytelling from. Like she was, when she would stay over and help my mom, we were four kids. So, and my mom was one of 10. So the big Irish family, like she um, would come over and tell us stories the second we wake up or when we go to bed. And um, so I feel like I get my storytelling from her. But yeah, it was it was amazing to go see where she grew up. Um, her house is still within the family. So that's how we were able to to okay. find it it's still still there. Um, but yeah, I mean, her stories were were incredibly inspirational and she was a very strong woman too. So I feel like that's something um, I always keep in the back of my mind, just, um, you know, having her to inspire me and, and how independent and strong she was to leave Ireland at 19 with her first baby of 10 and, and come over here on the Queen Mary and, you know, to a whole new world. So for sure, I carry that with me. So 
Thank you for, for bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. I love to find out who has influenced someone as well as the events that have influenced them. And one of the events that I think has influenced you, I want to talk about Groove It, Move It. Oh my God. <laughs> A neighborhood band, right? Honestly, like this is, might be my favorite interview ever. Um <laughs> Yes. Okay. So neighborhood band. So speaking of that group that I wrote songs with, that was kind of my like elementary school group. And then there was my neighborhood group. And so we started a band called Groove It, Move It. And I, to this day in my apartment, I have our notebook that we wrote our songs. Really? Yeah. And it is hilarious. None (laughs) of it makes any sense. Um, And some of it, like, it was so funny. We would make these songs. I think one of them was called like Baby Blues. And it was about being the middle child because we were like, <laughs> we were the, the kids as the middle, uh, the middle children on the block. And it was like, you know, crying, like why we don't like, you know, get attention. And like, <laughs> we had it very, very good. There were no complaints. And so but, what yeah. was, what was the band like? Like I was imagining like bright neon colors and dance moves and all of that. But was it a more sad, somber group? Or? No, I love that you picture that. Um, we definitely didn't have any like um, any sort of like photo shoots or recordings or anything. It was like the back deck of our house where we would like charge other neighborhood kids to buy a ticket and come, come see our dance shows and our Spice Girl impersonations. And so definitely more of just a neighborhood um, click kind of songwriting group and, and just for fun. But yeah, totally, totally a fun neon colored group, as you say. <laughs> that is awesome. And then into high school, talk about sort of where music went for you then. I know there's a couple experiences. There was a teacher that uh, was very Mr. Nash, a teacher that was very inspirational for you. And then also one of your most embarrassing moments when you wrote a song the night before and were expected to perform it the next day and it didn't go so well. So what did that whole high school experience mean to your musical development? Well, again, I just want to say thank you for bringing up Mr. Nash because he is with me at every performance alongside, I hope sitting with my, my grandmother up in heaven and, um, yeah, I mean, high school was was interesting because Mr. Nash, like, he just was, he made all the difference for me as a student because it wasn't like, I wasn't necessarily born with, you know, as a prodigy musician or anything like that. Um, my parents were very, very supportive, like, okay, you, want, you sure you want to sing? Or you, like, it wasn't, I wasn't amazing, but I, I loved it. So um, Mr. Nash really nurtured that passion for music that I had by giving me the chance to get up on stage um and he didn't have to do that there were other singers at the school that I knew were very very good and he always just made room for me um in those variety shows that we had every year and so yeah one of those variety shows I chose to sing a song I wrote the night before (laughs) and the funniest thing was like and I still have pictures I I thought I was so cool but I wore this like piano scarf and like big sunglasses to perform and uh yeah I know it it uh, really I forgot all the words and the melody and it was just definitely one of my worst performances but it, but it didn't stop me I, I kept going and Mr. Nash you know continued to put me in the uh, variety shows <laughs> <laughs> and then so after high school you went to Berkeley yeah. for songwriting now 
how did that develop? Because as a girl growing up in Montreal, I mean, Boston is close, but it is the United States. It is almost like a different world. And that is a very prestigious school for songwriting. And so how focused were you at the end of high school in making music a career? Um, to be honest, not not that much. Again, it was just something that I love to do. Um, I went to uh, CJEP, which we have here in Quebec, where um, it's kind of like that middle ground between university um, and high school. So we go to oh, okay. we graduate in grade 11 and then and do two years at this um, program. And I went to CJEP for media and journalism because, again, I was like, well, I love to write. Maybe that's the career I could take. And while I was there, I still had a little band going um, in the neighborhood and playing at bars and stuff. Um, but my mom was actually the one that was like, you know, there's a school called Berkeley and you should check it out. And they have a songwriting program. Like, I know you love to write songs, like could be cool to check out. And so um, I did, and I would go, I would spend every lunch hour um, at my college, my first college, um, just sitting there reading stories about students that went to Berkeley. And I found two other musicians that I played with in my band and they both as well were like, this could be cool. Like, let's check it out all together. So we did, we went down and checked it out. Um, we all applied, we all did the interview process. We all got in. Um, and then two out of three of us ended up going to the school together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was another one of those things where my parents were just so supportive. Um, but they also kept me grounded and realistic of like, let's try out and say, just to say you tried out you know, they, they really kept my expectations. Like, don't, you know, it's like you said, it's a prestigious school. I wasn't expecting to, to get in. And, um, when I did get in, they were kind of like, uh, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) what do we do? But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was amazing because I don't know that my path would, I don't think I would be here if I hadn't gone to Berkeley, like if I hadn't taken that step and if my parents didn't make that possible for me to go there. So, um, yeah, very grateful for, for getting to go there. And you talk about the support of your parents. Now, after you graduated from Berkeley, you made the decision to go down to Nashville. Now within that decision, I think I read somewhere that your parents actually cut you off at that point. So did they not want you going down to Nashville? You know, it was funny. They, I think they tried to keep me home as long as possible, but ultimately, like, ultimately they knew that I was going to make another move um, because I talked about, and everybody did at Berkeley. It was like, you know, where are you going to move New York, LA or Nashville? Right. And um, I just kept talking about Nashville. So my parents knew, uh, but I told them, I was like, August, I think it was August 26th. I was like 2011. I was like, I'm moving. So whether you guys want to drive me or I fly, I'm going. And so they drove me down, but my, and I'm so thankful they did this, but my dad, like, I'll never forget. He just turned down the radio slightly and was like, Hey, like we need to talk. Like, this is, this is on you now. Like you're going to be an adult and you need to, to grow up. And I, I was just like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, you're on your own. That's what that means. So, um, and I'm thankful because from there I really found my own and I, I was 21 at the time. Um, and I got a job at a country club in the area and that's where I really, you know, made friends and met people and, and kind of got into the Nashville crowd uh, that way. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Like how Scary. driven, yeah. Well, I was going to say how driven were you at that point as a 21 year old going yeah. to a city that has a reputation of chewing people up and spitting them out because there's so many people flooding the city. Yeah. Like how much confidence did you have I at mean, that point? 
I didn't have a lot of confidence, but what I did have was, um, I think what really drove me was how hard my parents worked to, to make me, to, to give me the opportunity to go to Berkeley. Like I almost felt like I, like I couldn't let my family down. It's kind of more what drove me to, to stay and work hard. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, from there, like it was go time. It was kind of like, okay, what do I have, what do I have to do? If that means working, you know, 30 to 50 hours at a country club and then writing 10 hours a week, I'll do it. Like I did, I didn't care. Um, now that I'm 32, I'm like, wow, (laughs) a lot of work. (laughs) I don't know if I could do that now, but, um, at the time, like I just had all the drive to, to make them proud and, and show them how grateful I was for all the support they've given me. Wow. And that was 2011. You moved down. And one of the bigger things that sort of keeps coming back for you is the voice in 2016. Now, I heard you talk about the fact that before that you were really focused on the publishing side, you were focused on writing and you were focused on trying to get a publishing deal. So before the voice, did you have any intention of really a solo career or being a performer yourself? Or was it really just the songwriting? For sure. I, I, my mind went there. Um, but for me, like, because writing was my first love, I went to school for writing, um, I felt like that's where I had my best chance. I didn't always have the the biggest confidence in my voice. Um, again, like even though Mr. Nash, you know, back in the day gave me that opportunity, I always knew I was like, wow, it's really nice of him, but I'm not an amazing singer. Like, you know, it wasn't, wasn't on the, the forefront for me. Um, but I also saw artists like Casey Musgraves and Marin Morris that got their start writing songs for other artists. So, you know, Marin had Second Win with Kelly Clarkson and Casey had Mama's Broken Heart with Miranda Lambert. And, um, you know, you kind of hear about that in the when you're living in Nashville. It's very small. So everybody kind of like, oh, you know, check out this girl, Marin Morris, or you got to check out Casey Musgraves. And um, for me, it was like, well, maybe that's how I make my start. Maybe I'm maybe if I focus on writing for other artists, eventually way down the line, I could do my own artist career. Um, right. So it was a very far-fetched dream. So to me, it was starting at yeah, square one with just publishing and writing for other artists. And now with The Voice, I've talked to other artists who have been on The Voice and yeah. it's not necessarily a huge deal. It's sort of something they did but it was more maybe a connection or two that they made on the show that they took away from it. It wasn't this whole big grand, Oh my gosh, I was on the voice. I'm going to be a star now. And so when you left the show, was it more just that confidence of, I can be an artist on my own now? You know what? Not right away. Like, I think I left the show and was still a little unsure of what to do. Um, and again, I think I was still kind of hoping for that publishing deal, even though, you know, at that point I loved singing. It was, it was a turning point in the sense of like, I can do the artist thing now. Like I am ready for that. Um, but I think I was still hoping to make that Nashville connection some somewhere. Um, and it was, I mean, it, it was interesting because Montreal really gave me that support through that whole show. Like I came home and I would be at like a Tim Hortons and people would be like, Oh my God, you're the girl. On the <laughs> or in Nashville. I mean, there's so many, so many artists and writers that are on that show that it wasn't as, um, as a big of a deal. Um, so it kind of took me a moment 
to find, you know, what I wanted to do after the show. Um, and not that, again, not that I was expecting, like you said, you don't go on that show expecting to have that big break or to be the big star. Um, and I certainly didn't because I wasn't expecting to get on it in the first place. Um, and so for me, it was, again, it was just navigating that um, writer artist kind of um, decision. Right. To deciding that I would focus on the artist part of the career. And when you started to focus on that artist side of things, your first single that you put out was Unveiled. It was yeah. a more popular song. And so yeah. at that point, were you thinking of, of trying that pop route? Because you did that 100%. for a couple of years, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm again, I'm so glad you <laughs> you're awesome at the research. And I I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, that was part of me discovering, trying to figure out where or what direction do I go into? Um, and I think I had a little bit of, I don't know, like dis, I don't, I don't disappointment is kind of hard or harsh word to say, but I feel like after the voice, like I think I still, yeah, again, I wanted to make that Nashville connection, but because it wasn't lining up, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm not meant to do country. Maybe I'm just meant to do pop. Okay. Um, and so it was kind of more of a discovery exploration kind of time. Um, where I just decided to write more on piano again. And, and I um, worked with my friend, James Farrell, who did amazing pop production. And we had a blast doing that. Um, but I think too, it was still just a, a chapter of my, my whole story of trying to find myself. And with the music video for that song, there was some dancing in it. And there was your friend, Sarah, who did the choreography. Yes. And yes. talk about the deal that you made in the yes. eighth grade. You were amazing. Honestly, <laughs> you were. This is my favorite interview. So Sarah, Seven, and I, we made a, a pact because both her and I were so um, involved in the, the arts side of high school with Mr. Nash. We'd worked on the variety show. Um, she did all the dancing. I did some singing. Like... And we made that pact that one day that, you know, we would do a music video together or that she would be my background dancer. And, um, and it was so cool to kind of bring that to fruition in that video. And, you know, I had done some dancing back in the day and I guess I'll backtrack just a little bit, but yeah. my, my parents very much, all my siblings and I, we were in every sport, you name it, we did it. Like my parents were very, um, you know, uh, like I guess supportive in the sense that they wanted us to find what we love to do. So they put us in, in so many different activities to, to find that love. So I was in dancing at one point in my life and it was kind of a moment of like, well, maybe this is where I start to work with Sarah again. And we start, you know, bringing out some dancing again. That must've been a pretty cool feeling like on yeah. that video. Did you have that feeling of, oh, wow, we talked about this in the eighth grade? Or a lot of times I talk to artists and things are just moving ahead so much that they don't yeah. really look back and realize those moments. But did you on that shoot? 100%. Yeah, we I mean, and again, like Sarah and I are still very um, just great friends and supportive of each other in our, our in our art endeavors. And um I remember, yeah, we were on set just being like, I can't believe it's like finally happen happening. And um, James Clément, who um, did the video uh, for Unveiled, he also went to high school with us too. So he had a special connection too to Mr. Nash. And, and it was just a really cool full, full circle moment. That is awesome. And so that was in 2017 that you released that single. So for the next two years or so, year and a half, you yeah. released some more music. 
you yeah. get engaged and then at yeah. mid 2018 things start to fall apart a bit yeah. and yeah. your engagement broke off talk about that time and sort of just what you went through in that yeah. time both on your personal side and just yeah. how that affected your music and your want to go forward yeah. with your music absolutely um it was definitely a very tough time but um I think it was now that I look back on it, I feel like what I was going through my personal life was again, coming through the music. And I feel like I was kind of creating this pop persona to kind of almost hide what I was actually going through. Right. Uh, and I hear that a lot of, in the lyrics um, that I wrote at that time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a very, it was a sudden, sudden kind of breakup and it was a sudden move home from Nashville. I wasn't planning on leaving. Um, but I think it was almost just a really crazy sign of like, you know, you're, I don't want to say you're losing yourself, but I did feel lost. I felt um, like I was grasping at straws. And I think that's maybe, yeah, where that kind of pop chapter came in um, because I was just trying to find myself, but the only way that I could find myself was, was back in Montreal, was back being around my family, my, the people that supported me from the beginning um, and back to that girl that moved to Nashville in the first place. And so I feel like it was the universe kind of being like, slow down, like get back to you, get back to your roots. Um, I, otherwise I don't know what path I would have went down, you know? Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a tough, tough time, but in the end, like it was one of the best moves and decisions that, uh, that ever happened. Well, it's interesting because I saw on your Spotify that there's a release from 2014 speed queen, and then there's nothing until your release at the beginning of 2020 eat, drink, remarry. And so it really does feel like in 2014, you had this girl who knew who she wanted to be. And then all of a sudden there's this dip where you get lost. And then at the beginning of 2020, you come back up and it's like, right, this is who I'm supposed to be. Absolutely. And I love that you see it that way because yeah, I mean, I think again, like moving to a new city, um, being there kind of on my own, going on to a big reality TV show, um, getting engaged, all these kind of big milestones, um, you know, they, I think it kind of took me for a bit of a whirlwind where I just was lost for a few years and just kind of trying to find my way around all that, navigate it all. Um, and I think part of that was also lost, maybe lost confidence in the music in the sense that um, throughout that time, it, you know, I wasn't around my family. I wasn't around my, my main support system through, through those uh, milestones. Right. And so I feel like that, yeah, that had an effect uh, on, on the music and where I was going and coming back home, kind of, like you said, it just brought me back to that person. And how long did it take for you to get comfortable again? Once you moved back, what was the process like to yeah. find yourself and get back into sort of the musical spirit and yeah. loving it again? Yeah. And, and to be honest, I wasn't sure that I was going to, I, um, I moved home, uh, around Christmas, I came home and I, I lived with my sister, uh, for four months, which was so much fun. <laughs> I loved getting to live with her again. Um, and to be honest, I really took a step back. 
So I, um, you know, I just focused on family, uh, spending time with lost time with them because I'd been gone for 10 years. Yeah. you know, working on my health, you know, my sister and I would push each other to go to the gym every day and just work out. I stayed off social media. Um, and I decided that I would do my year of 30 because I just turned 30 when I went through my breakup of, with my engagement. Um, and I decided that I would do five goals that were not career related, um, for the year, for my year of 30. And I did that because I had spent 10 years just grinding and hustling. And my only focus was, was music and career. So, um, yeah, I spent that year doing five goals that had nothing to do with music and just, you know, enjoyed living life, um, rather than focusing on work. And I decided that if music was meant to be, that it would show itself. So that was kind of my game plan. It was like, don't chase it anymore. If it's supposed to be in my life, it will, it will be. And, and it, it did, which was awesome. So within that, you have, you had the Delta Creek band. Yes. They brought you on to perform with them. What did that mean in finding that passion again? If you hadn't had performed with them, would you still be in this same position? I don't, I don't know, because honestly, like a lot of it is super interconnected. A lot of, um, you know, out of the Delta Creek crew, um, I mean, I was, yeah, backtrack a little bit on the day that they asked me, I had been waiting to, or not waiting. I I was applying to potentially some other just job, just other jobs in the area and the business that potentially, um, I could do instead of music. And, and that same day is when they asked me to come on tour with them. So I was like, I think this is a sign to do music, not business. Um, and so, um, yeah, I feel like that gave me just the love of music again, because their music was country music. And I got back up on stage with my guitar and I got to perform for an audience. And I was like, yeah, this is, this feels right. Like this feels like me. And I missed this. Um, So yeah, I think it gave me, I guess it, it was the spark to, to everything else. And so when you got that spark, it was kind of bad timing in the fact that it was sort of right before going into the year that 2020 was, but on the upside, I mean, 2020 was a breakout year for you, even with everything that went down. Let me just list off some of the stuff that happened in 2020. So you were a, I believe, semi-finalist on Sirius XM top of the country. You were chosen for the Montreal finale of the Jim Beam national talent search. You received huge support from CMT on the music that you released during the year. And you are, you have been picked by CBC music for an album to look out for in 2021. And so all those things, some huge releases, like as bad as 2020 was, when you look back on it, is it a pretty pivotal year for you in this whole music game? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, it's, in 2019 is when we started recording Eat, Drink, Remarry. Um, I had met my manager, my now manager, Joelle uh, Plou, and, um, you know, she connected me with kind of the Quebec scene here, which I didn't really know existed and found my producer and we started working. We did Eat, Drink, Remarry. And then, yeah, COVID hit and it was like, oh my God, what do we do? And to be honest, at the time you think like, well, this is like, everybody thought, well, this will be six weeks, you know, we'll be back to normal. Um, well, it was not the case. And so, you know, like you said, I mean, I just, um, 
yeah, it was a quite a pivotal year and, and we, we consistently look back and say like, well, we're very lucky, like the amount of uh, the reception that we got um, just off, you know, Eat, Drink, or Mary, and then You Don't Get Me Stoned. And, um, but at the same time, it gave us the motivation and push to, to keep, to adapt to the situation we were in and, and put out music videos and keep going. And yeah, and I, I feel like, um, yeah, I, don't, I feel like that maybe in some way, I don't know, I guess it helped that uh, we were pushing through and, and people saw that and, and, you know, we're thankful that they did. So. And it's interesting. I find in that I saw on social media, you were talking about Jolie, your manager and the day you met her and the fact yeah. that she didn't say, keep pushing for your dreams, just keep working. She was like, they're yes. going to happen. They're going to happen. And it's just yeah. interesting for me in those years in Nashville, you're pushing, you're pushing, you don't really know yourself. You're going from one thing to the other, but yeah. now you head home, you find out who you are. And it feels like the end of 2019 and 2020 and, and the start of 2021 here has been very organic. Like it was meant to be like you found yourself and yeah. then all of a sudden, all these opportunities were coming. So you were meant to find yourself. And that's what has brought about all these opportunities. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing I think of when you you say that is that my my dad, who's been, you know, just a big supporter of this dream from the get go. And um, again, kind of keeps me grounded through this whole industry. Um, he always told me, um, you know, he's like, you know, Brittany, sometimes when I like, if I'm working and chasing and going after something, things don't work out. He's like, but the second I step out of my office and I take a drive and I just, you know, let things be, he's like, then I start getting phone calls. He's like, just try that for a little bit. Just take a step back and, and see if things play out. And I think that's really, um, you know, allowed for things to, like I said, align up and, and happen because I've finally stopped trying to make chase and hustle and make it happen. I've just allowed to sit back, allow myself to sit back and, and enjoy the process of it. And, and it makes all the difference to have that mindset. And so with the album release now, when you look back on moving back home and the two years that you've had, how important is this album within that journey? Um, it's, it's really important in the sense that it's kind of, um, I mean, it really captures the the whole chapter of it all, but the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I think that's what's most special about it. I think most we we always you know we always hear um, breakup albums that are you know pointing fingers or quite sad or or whatnot. But I think this one is is what I hope that people get out of it is that you know things are going to be okay and that there is a bright side that that things can look up and sometimes those big decisions and big changes are for the better. Um, so for me, it's, it's the beginning of, I don't know, I guess just the girl that I've always been and, you know, and, and I'm proud, I'm proud of the hard work that went into it. I'm proud to say that, um, I don't know, that I feel just very confident with all the songs and, um, and in the direction that it's going to take me in. And now, as far as the future goes, I know you still take trips back to Nashville, but now that you have found yourself and you have found the country music that inspires you, is there any thought of moving back down there permanently to continue chasing this dream? 
I don't think so. I think I like the idea of just taking my trips there. Um, I mean, in a dream world, uh, for sure. Like I love the idea of getting out of Montreal in the, the, the deep cold winter (laughs) (laughs) there for a little bit. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I feel thankful that I kind of have the best of both worlds up here. Um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, that's, it's a tough case. I mean, I, again, I love the community that community that I have there as far as the writers, um, and, uh, my friends and all that, that, that I've made over the last, uh, seven, eight years. So I don't know, we'll see, but I think for sure Montreal's home base and, and Nashville will always be second home. Well, congratulations on the Thank release. You. I ain't a saint out now, wherever you stream your music. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Well, thank you for being patient. And then also thank you for your questions. I really, really appreciate uh, that you did your research and, and shared my story. So thank you. Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Brittany for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her new album, I Ain't a Saint, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. Leave a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. (laughs) 